Welcome everyone to God Talk Uncensored, where no topic is off limits. We use the Bible as a source of truth, and everything we share is from our personal experiences and the Bible. All right, let's do this. Thank you everybody for joining in. I am uh, grateful to share something here on my heart. Uh, this isn't going to be the you know regular show. Uh, I just I really feel like it's important for me to highlight something that uh, you know God has really been sort of quickening my heart uh, about, reminding me of, and I believe everybody needs to be reminded of this. And so uh, here we go. So think about the followers of Jesus. Think about who he chose to be the the oracles um, and and apostles and disciples. Uh, those who wouldn't seemingly be, uh, in the world's eyes, uh, the right choices, right? Like he, he chose, you know, fishermen and zealots and tax collectors and, and, uh, you know, some riffraff, uh, and, and definitely not who we, um, probably would have thought were the right picks, we might have thought people like uh, the uh, Apostle Paul, right? Very learned man, wrote many of the books of the New Testament, or even uh, Luke, uh, who was a doctor, and he also was a companion of Paul, and he wrote, you know, the book of Luke. Uh, we, we have, in our mind, I believe, a lot of uh, ideas about what would qualify uh, a, a believer or a follower, um, you know, of God to be uh, in our standards or in our sort of way of thinking the right choice. But he didn't do that. Uh, and I, the reason I'm mentioning this is because uh, he didn't do that with me. And um, I, I didn't qualify. I didn't set, uh, you know, how did, my, my standard of what I perceived God's uh, chosen person or people to be didn't fit my description at all um, but he decided differently and so what one of the uh, one of the people in the Bible that is so significant throughout the entirety of the scriptures but is King in King David and King David was a fairly small insignificant shepherd boy one of eight sons of his father Jesse, his brothers didn't like him. Uh, he writes later about himself that his parents rejected him, and uh, many scholars uh, believe that he was the uh, child of, you know, one of the, um, like Jesse, his father's a concubine or a prostitute, and so his brothers didn't accept him or, or even care or like him. Uh, not just that. But he was a shepherd, you know, that wasn't exactly the, the type of job that, uh, you know, bred this, this uh, uh, thinking of, oh, that's an educated, learned individual with great wisdom and, you know, uh, but rather just you're just a laborer. You're just a regular, um, you know, run of the mill sort of garden variety, you know, blue collar worker. That's it. That's what your lot is. But God does not choose people that way. 
think about this. When, when Jesus was born, okay, well, think about this too. When Jesus was born, his mother was not yet, uh, you know, she was betrothed, which means she wasn't married. And, uh, you know, an angel had to appear to, you know, uh, to Joseph and say, it's, it's okay. You know, you can move forward with this, this marriage, even though your wife is pregnant. Imagine the community uh, that they, you know, they knew. I mean, this is a small, you know, sort of, uh, um, you know, Middle Eastern uh, hometown tiny family oriented you know historically uh shame-based society place and for a young lady to have gotten pregnant uh before marriage was a huge problem a huge deal and um he had considered you know divorcing her so there's this scandal from the very beginning of jesus's uh, you know, Jesus's conception with his mother Mary. And then imagine living in a community where you have this story that, yeah, I was immaculately conceived. I'd never been with a man, but yet here's my son, you know, uh, beyond that. So, you know, the shame uh, oriented, you know, surrounding and circulating that situation. Uh, I mean, imagine... Um, why would it be that God, when Jesus was literally born in the in an animal trough, an eating receptacle, you know, a manger, the Son of God was born in a barn in a manger. And who did God send an angel to uh, to tell people? to shepherds he sent them to the lowliest blue collar workers that were were out there uh, uh you know that were considered uneducated um kind of the 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 scum on the bottom of the shoes sort of trade uh which was shepherds but god chose the shepherds to be spoken to by an angel that says that the lord was born and it's interesting on so many different levels how consistent God is in how he chooses uh, the most significant people to represent him. Uh, ironically, the Apostle Paul, who was the most uh, educated uh, in the ways of Judaism, the Apostle Paul was then later, uh, his ministry was to the Gentiles. Like you would think because of his scholarly learning and, and his wisdom that he would be the one to adequately convince all the Jews of the, uh, of the prophetic nature of Christ and the fulfillment of everything. But instead, God chose him to go to the Gentiles, which is us, by the way. And I share this because like yesterday I was talking to my dad uh, briefly about, you know, just my upbringing. I'm here. Uh, it's 4th of July weekend. Um, we're, we're at my dad's house in, in California. And uh, we were just talking about, you know, our pasts and specifically mine. And I just was noting 
that I have probably an eighth grade education. And so don't, don't write me off in that because uh, God has done, just wouldn't write me off in that, just like I wouldn't do that in, in, in you know, how God has called people that you would seemingly be, seemingly think you're highly uneducated or whatever. But my parents sent me, when I was 14 and a half, they sent me away to, and this, I was like, Man, I think I was in uh, eighth grade. I was held back. I literally was sent to a school in Lawndale called Smith School where there were 12-foot-high fences with barbed wire and kids from uh, um, Juvenile Hall would be released from Juvenile Hall and bust in to this school. They had a rubber room. They were allowed to like physically prone you, put you face down, and and. Uh, cost you to calm you down I mean it was a hardcore uh, place and and here I am you know just this little skinny white kid um, you know didn't bloom until I was 17 but here I am you know uh, just in in an environment of just uh, (laughs) you know uh, kids that are coming out of jail and and um, so at one point my parents they they sent me from that place they sent me away to Mississippi to a lockup a a boys home in Mississippi and uh that was I think I was uh that would have been what would have been considered my ninth grade year so in ninth grade uh, I took what they called the the pace program in uh, Mississippi which in California which which is where I was born and raised uh, they didn't recognize the pace system educationally. And so when I got out of that place and I went back to, I was in high school, I should have been in 10th grade. They didn't recognize uh, any of that program from, um, you know, from the pace program from Mississippi. So they told me I needed to repeat ninth grade. Well, I was already supposed to be in 10th grade. I would have graduated. I would have been like 20 years old. So that wasn't going to happen. And uh, I told my parents I wanted to take, uh, you know, the they had what's called the California High School Proficiency Exam. So my desire was, look, I don't want to go to school for that long. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and test out and get my diploma. And, um, you know, long story short, my parents ended up kicking me out of the house. I lived out. I lived on the streets. I slept in garages and in laundromats and, you know, couch surfing for a while. Um, and, and, you know, later in life, uh, when I gave myself, my, my life to Christ, um, you know, many, many years later, I went back, I went back to school, went back to college and, uh, you know, actually my degree in, in pastoral ministries or leadership ministry from Northwest University, uh, I, I, you know, was a dean's honor roll student. And the point in me saying all this isn't to highlight me. It's to say that God chooses the, the, the weak things, the small things, the insignificant things of the world the things that people write off and believe nothing could good, nothing good could happen, and he chooses those people and those things uh, to to do amazing stuff through. 
And so, you know, I, I, I remember when, uh, you know, I mean, addiction is a part of my past. Matter of fact, this weekend, uh, the four, on the 4th of July, this will be 15 years of, of sobriety for me on the 4th of July. That's my independence day from, you know, drugs and alcohol and everything. But, um, and so that was a part of my life too. So I, when I was in uh, rehab one time, I went to an outpatient treatment and they tested me and they said I was in the 98th percentile to be incarcerated. And there's how I'm not in, in prison from just, you know, the things that I did and how I lived my life in the past is fascinating you know, was fascinating to them. And the difference between me and all those people in prison is like, I just didn't get caught. Right. Like, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not, you know, necessarily, uh, I mean, I felt like I was pretty slick, but the bottom line is I just, I didn't get caught. And God knew, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, everybody's situation is different. Uh, but you know, for a variety of reasons, I ended up uh, adopting, you know, kids, um, my uh, late wife who passed away, I adopted her two sons. And so I wouldn't have been able to do that had I had uh, a criminal or a, uh, you know, a, a record uh, where I had been in prison before I wouldn't be able to adopt. So there were reasons that God sh- for my personal life did certain things and, and, and allowed for uh, certain things to happen or not to happen. And so grateful for everything. But really, I, I think the only thing that I'm trying to highlight here to everybody right now is you are unique. You are special. You are chosen. You have a specific a specific reason. God hasn't overlooked you. People have overlooked you. God hasn't overlooked you. Society might deem you to be a certain way or you may think society looks at you a certain way um you might believe about yourself something that that isn't true that you have uh, no calling you have no purpose you have no significance because you're just a shepherd you're just a carpenter jesus was a carpenter you're just a whatever fill in the blank but the truth of the matter is uh God chooses people just like us to do, to change the world, to do amazing and, and, uh, and anointed things. Uh, my wife and I this morning were, were, um, reading the life of David more specifically during the time of, you know, David and Goliath. So it's first Samuel chapter 16 through 18. And, uh, and, and Samuel anoints David. Uh, overlooks everybody that seemingly should have been the right pick, right? The oldest brother of Jesse, who was David's father. Uh, Samuel looks at all of them, and he certainly, when he saw the oldest brother, says, surely he is the one. And God said, don't look at outward appearance. Like, don't get stuck in the way that man does things and the way that man chooses uh, people and, and um, you know, uh, circumstances. And so he goes through every one of the sons and then he goes, well, don't you have any more kids? Cause obviously God was God's favor and his hand wasn't on these other brothers. And, uh, you know, Jesse, David's dad's like, well, I have another one, you know, this 
kind of insignificant one. He's watching sheep out in the field, and he brought him in, and God told Samuel, he's the one. That's the one. The one that was overlooked, the one that was the one that had an insignificant job, the one that was uh, that was seemingly uneducated or seemingly, uh, you know, uh, on the lower spectrum in man's standards. And so that's the one. He's the one. And at some point along the way, right, like when David goes to fight Goliath, uh King Saul at the time tries to give David all of his armor, his his the worldly wisdom of warfare, the worldly way to approach life, the worldly way to protect yourself. And so David starts to put on all of this garb and 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 realizes like I wasn't called to operate this way. I wasn't called to fight this way. I wasn't called to to do battle against the enemy with uh, worldly weapons of warfare. And so, you know, what, what we sometimes believe in the world to be the right approach to something, the right way to uh, do battle against whatever the, the, the warfare is or the enemy is, sometimes God wants the simplicity of it. To, for us to step into and trust in him in it and not to 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 uh, gird ourselves with a bunch of stuff that the world says is what's going to be successful or is what's going to work and so uh, so David you know he he's got a little bag of rocks and he's got a sling and uh, and he does his thing but God shows up and does amazing things through him because he didn't rely or trust or believe that like, putting on the ways that everybody else does stuff, uh, you know, fitting himself with, with all of the, the wisdom and the knowledge of the world's ways of doing stuff was going to be what worked for him. And so he didn't do it, and he did it God's way, and God defeated Goliath. So I'm just telling you guys all this stuff. Uh, you know, I, I know what God has said about who I am in Christ. I know what God has said about who he's made me uh, in significance and in power and in anointing. I know what he has said about me and he has said those same things about you. He has said those same things about you. The Bible's super clear about how we are, we are, we are fearlessly and wonderfully made in his image. And he has a significant purpose and plan for us, for every single one of us. You may be listening to this right now. And you may be saying to yourself, I've been a Christian for a really long time and I've screwed up so many times. I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm divorced. Um, I've been in jail. I've been struggling with drugs or pornography or whatever. And just feeling like, I know if I was to die, I'm probably going to go to heaven, but I don't think that there's any place for me, for God to use me to do amazing kingdom things. I'm going to tell you, that's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie from Satan's mouth. You have significance. You have purpose. God has called you into something deep and he wants to be a a partner with you in what he has asked for you to do. And so you just need to commit your life. You need to stop the thing that's killing you. Whatever that thing is, stop it. You need to stop it. And turn and ask for help. It's okay. Ask for help. 
I need help. That's what it takes. Go to somebody that you trust. Get some help. Get into some discipleship. Be mentored by somebody that you trust. And if you don't know who you can trust, find somebody. Don't give up. Go after it. Keep going. Keep going. And if you're listening to me right now and you do not know God, you do not, you have no relationship, you don't know who Jesus is, let me just tell you, he loves you. You have a call, you have a purpose and a significance in the kingdom. And he wants nothing more than to, to invite you into this new life. And the new life is, is easier to walk into. You don't have to jump through hoops. God is not a divine taskmaster. He does not have a bunch of hoops for you to jump in order for you to walk into a relationship with him. The hoops that needed to be jumped were jumped by Jesus once and for all. He jumped the hoops on our behalf. We just need to receive that. We need to accept that. And the hoop was for him to die. To literally die on your behalf. He actually took on everything that you were deserve, deserving of on your behalf. And you, what you got to do is just say, God, I'm sorry. that I Not only am I, have I been so ignorant, and you can pray this even now. I'm sorry that I've been so ignorant. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying so that I could receive the forgiveness of all of my sins. I ask you to come into my life to give me your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach me. Come into me and fill me with everything that you have that helps change my life. And say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. You have purpose and significance, and there is more and more and more, more of him in every way. God bless. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to God Talk Uncensored. We appreciate your support, and until next time, God bless you.